to the glory in our stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking to Michael Musicator Minor Sullivan. say uh, good morning good afternoon good evening uh, this will be episode uh, 21 of the glory in our stories uh, take two uh, we tried to do this about a week ago and um, I dropped the ball on it ended up using software that wasn't I wasn't familiar with but uh, as everything that begins um, it's a learning process so um, Thank you all who have been listening in up until this point. Like I said before, hopefully I can get uh, to 40, uh, 60, 80, and, and so forth. My goal is to interview as many people as possible so that we can get a glimpse of their story and what drives them, um, what, what, what's embedded in them, what makes them organic for who they are and, and what they were born to do. Um, again, uh, today I am interviewing uh, Michael, uh, musicated minor, Sullivan, and um, always looking fresh and and, and dapper, <laughs> and just uh, original. So I, I think I thought that was always cool. Um, today I had the pleasure of listening to uh, two of his singles, and I gotta say I I was listening to it, and I was at work. Fortunately, I had my headphones on, and I'm listening to it, and I was like, for some tracks that I've heard on SoundCloud, I've actually just kept listening to the next track came on. But I actually found myself listening to it again. I think it was uh, Speechless. Um, I absolutely loved it. And I, and I'm, I think I'm being um, modest, maybe, what I'm saying. I'm not sure. Like, that's, I think that's underrated, me saying that. Like, it's... That's under exaggerated. Like I can't, I can't. Ex- when I hear something, when it comes to music, that really speaks out to me. Something that's different and vibrant, and there's just so much into it. I didn't know you had that much range, <laughs> so I just, I was thrown by that. And then um, Ledge, like these, these are some very powerful songs. And I know you got a lot in your repertoire. So, um, and funny thing that you mentioned last time. Uh, was that most of the music that he initially started performing were original pieces. Mm-hmm. Who does that? Most people come out um, covering uh, music and doing albums based off cover songs, but he did the opposite. Mm-hmm. Which goes to show that you don't have to always follow a specific system in order to do what you want to do. No, I really wanted to tell you. I actually wouldn't mind telling you how that happened, though. Mm-hmm. Like, how I started off that way, because... Initially, I was, I won't say I was afraid to perform original music, but I was apprehensive because I really felt like nobody was going to care. <laughs> I was like, I really just kept it to myself. I was always writing and creating and throwing these concerts, like, in my room every day, all day. I'm more than sure my mom, like, wanted to throw a pillow at my head. But <laughs> I was doing all my original music, and I had arranged it all, like, in concert format, like, how it would sound if it were on a stage, on a show. And I did it pretty much every day, all day. And what ended up happening was somebody remembered that I was a singer mm-hmm. and suggested my name for this festival. They were doing a Juneteenth festival over in Aiken, which is where I'm from. Um, and I got a random phone call. Somebody saying, hey, you know, your name was thrown at us. Um, they say you're a performer. We're looking for acts. Do you want to come do a set? It'll be about 45 minutes to an hour. And up to that point, I had never performed like a whole set of my music. Yeah. And I, I just went ahead and just jumped and said, yeah. I didn't have a band. I didn't have, I didn't have anything. I just said, okay, I knew I had a few months to figure out how to make that show happen. So yeah. I put out a call on social media saying I was looking for background singers, <laughs> and I really didn't expect anybody to really like answer, but multiple people commented underneath and were like, sure, I'll sing background for you. And so I was like, what? <laughs> so I started, we started rehearsing like my original music, and I pulled together about a 45-minute set of original music. We performed it at um, the Juneteenth Festival over in Aiken a few years ago, mm-hmm. and just the reaction from the audience and people kind of talking about it on, 
social media over the next couple of days really, really lit a fire underneath me. I was like, oh, man, like, people like what I'm doing and like what yeah. I'm singing and the words I'm saying. I thought y'all weren't going to pay attention. So it just went from there. So that, uh, that says a lot about how much faith people had in what you did. I'm pretty certain that most of these people were people that you never met. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's what really blew my mind about it. Like that's that's the part that made it like sink in for me. I was like, okay, cool, I can do this. People do care. So doing the process of finding like backup singers, or even musicians, mm-hmm. like how did how did that process go? Was it like a process of elimination, or how did you end up picking the ones that you knew uh, would, uh, in a sense, complement your sound? So both of the two ladies that I chose, um, one of them, we were on the church choir together, mm-hmm. and the other one, we had been in school together, so she was in chorus with me multiple years, and I knew she was just, like, loyal, period. She was a loyal friend, so my process of choosing people were, okay, who can sing a little bit, who do I think would actually be loyal and down for what I'm doing, who will be as committed as I would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I chose those those two in particular because I had like a handful of people saying, okay, I will. But, you know, some of the people I didn't know and I didn't really want to go through <laughs> all that uh, of, I guess, auditioning people. I mean, I didn't really think I was anybody enough at that moment to audition somebody. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, let's run it with the people who I feel like would make the most sense. And so I chose this, um, this young lady named Messina who I went to school with, and this uh, young lady named Lydia, who was on the church choir with me. And they were so ride or die with me and for me. And like, they, they don't even know what they did for me. They helped like light the, the fire inside of me because <laughs> they were so down. Yeah. But then it kind of set the tone, too, because moving forward, as I was starting to get more serious about my career, like fast forward, do more experiences and pulling actual like whole bands together and stuff like that. It, it was difficult for me for the people who weren't as down as they were because they were so down that it kind of set a precedent for me. Yeah. So, yeah. So did you have a uh, particular theme as far as when you were putting your music together? Yeah, I mean, anytime I'm singing or writing or performing or pulling together uh, shows, it's really a direct reflection of, like, where I'm at in life, like, what I'm feeling, what I'm grappling with. And at that time... I was in a a space trying to figure out what the next space was. I was working a lot of dead-end jobs, and I knew I wasn't happy. I was like, this isn't it for me. Like, I want more. I want to be this singer. And I was, like, bouncing back and forth between trying to figure out, um, you know, how do you make a living in this world and live that life of having, you know, your stuff together and being able to take care of yourself versus, you know, do I really pursue this dream? So I was that was like that middle ground right then where I was really strongly grappling with that and it was that was actually the start of me coming out of holding on to my comfort zone and working like a regular nine to five and saying well no this is what I really really want so I'm gonna focus on it so what I was singing was about basically what I was feeling like one of my main songs that I've been singing over the years is called first class Mm -hmm. and the whole premise of the song is about wanting to elevate to that next level in life that 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 vision that I had on the inside and wanting it bad and so one of the lines says um uh sitting amongst all these broken dreamers losing their hope and all they believe in they're tired just like me except I'm here declaring somebody give me my first class ticket so it's basically saying I'm I'm not gonna sit here and wallow in this I'm just going to move forward in it. I'm going to snatch my ticket, my golden ticket, and I'm going to ride this thing first class. So um, that's what I was singing about. That was my first come out. It was like, boom, I'm working this job. I got dreams. Like the song literally says that, that one in particular, but all the songs were just a combination of the different feelings I was feeling at that time period as a young artist trying to find my way in the world and like tapping to my fullness. So that's what the set was built around. (laughs) You made a good point about First class, because based off what you're saying, first class is a mindset. It's something that you have to have, something that you develop. It's not something that you can earn or something that you can actually just work for. Maybe in America you could, but in relation to you and anybody, that's a choice that you make. And it's a a sense of positivity that you have to create, especially in 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 a society where everybody's willing to pull you down. Even if just for the for the fun of it 
if not for uh, having malicious intent. So, um, but going against, because that's basically what most artists, most of us artists are doing, going against the grain and having that, that, that sense of security when it comes to work. And I remember in, when I was going to school, I know a lot of people that eventually, that initially went to school for literature, ended up changing their majors because they were getting word from their parents that I don't think that's something that, that will benefit you in the future. You maybe need to think about, like, if you are into literature, highly consider teaching. And it's nothing against teaching, but if you have a specific passion to be a performer or even a writer and you don't find yourself being in front of a classroom, I think that should be a choice you should be able to make. And pursuing something that, something as far as music, like 100% to somebody on the outside is always a, a risk, but what's life without them? And I, realized, and I realized that you are willing to push that envelope because you see your potential. Even at the moment that you are where you are, you see something before that and you're constantly heading towards there. Right. And I see that not just through your performance, but who you are as an individual. It's funny, like we talked about last time, um, I didn't have to go through that part, like having to fight up against like my surroundings, because yeah. honestly, it was the complete opposite for me. All of my surroundings were always like, oh, he's there, or he has it, or he's mm-hmm. going to make it, or whatever. I Literally, my biggest, the biggest monkey I had to get off my back was myself. Yeah. Which ties back into you saying that, you know, it's a mindset. It is a mentality. I really was grappling with myself. Like, oh, I want to prove that I can take care of myself and I can be successful in this world or whatever I was trying to prove or have a grasp on. But I was also, like, limiting myself because I was really, I was just afraid. I was like, you know, there's like a one in a million chance of taking off and being, like, this amazing worldwide famous whatever or yeah being able to be taken care of by my art. Um, But as I went through more experiences and just saw what lit my fire, I really would prefer to, to struggle chasing like the life and the desire and the dreams and the vision I have inside myself and then to be comfortable living a life that I really, it just doesn't fulfill me. Because yeah. that's what I was doing. You know, I had my own stuff. I was 19. I had my own place. I had a car. I was working two jobs all the time. And so on paper to everybody else, it's like, oh, he's so responsible. He's so mature. He's taking care of himself and blah, blah, blah. But I was like completely and totally discontent and unhappy. And it wasn't really until I lost all that stuff that I realized that it never fulfilled me and it was never going to fulfill me. And, I, you know, when you lose everything... Um, the first thing you deal with is like, oh man, you know, what am I, who am I without this stuff? What am I supposed to do from this point forward? You know, you kind of like, it challenges your self-worth. But then when you start really looking at it and taking a step outside of it, you're like, oh man, I'm so glad I lost all that stuff. Because I would have still been holding on to it yeah. all these years <laughs> later and it would have never fulfilled me and I would have never like tapped into my full potential. Yeah. So I ended up like, you know, you lose the jobs. I lost my driving ability. I had lost my license. And, like, just a whole bunch of stuff happened all at one time. And so it really set me down, and it made me have to face myself, one. And, two, like, it gave me, like, a a restart. It was like, okay, let's snatch everything. So you can see, here's the path. Here's the path. So (laughs) so that's when I got the phone call. All of it happened at one time. Then I got that phone call. I did that first performance, and it lit the fire even more, and I just it just snowballed from there. And then as the years, like, continued to pass by, more experiences and more shows – happened like it just set in and marinated and now I'm like that's it that's who I am I'm Michael the Musicator Minor I'm a singer songwriter I'm a creator a manifester and that's my thing that's what that's my superpower and so (laughs) nothing else matters to me outside of that and when things come in and don't align with it I'm so like effortlessly I'm okay with detaching or letting it go or saying that ain't for me and I just want to continue to shine and you know what it is that I do so it's something really cool about what you just said because you said relighting the fire before the snowball begin to roll. And for those of you who are listening, that is a huge contradiction in elements. But that's life. That's life because you have fire and ice. And I can hear that and see that, not just in, in your life, but most people that I interview. Because you had to get to that point, like, every life isn't going to always be exactly the way you want it to. One moment you have everything that you want, next thing you know, it's not accessible. 
And my question would be, was that your breaking point as far as in your life when you were like, yo, I, that's, I really need to, to change. I really need to focus more on what I want. Yeah, it was it was definitely like one of the major turnarounds. Definitely, I mean, you you kind of have you have them scattered all throughout life. Yeah, like life every couple of years or experiences, life will come in and knock you over the head. Like, nope, boom, no, we gotta get you back on track. So um, that definitely was one of the major major ones though, because that's where my mentality started to shift. That was when I started to believe to say, well, no, I can go where I want to go. I can reach this vision I can I just have to know that I can that's really it like I just have to know it because then you'll start to see that everything around you will start like aligning to it Mm -hmm. like all your friendships the people you run into in the middle of the day certain job opportunities or whatever just random things will start aligning themselves to line up with that thing that you want the only thing that'll ever stop it or block it is if you just don't see that it's there Mm -hmm. or if you don't believe that is there and that'll happen for you. So that was a major turning point where I was like, no, this is what I want. I want to be a singer. I don't have to keep, I don't want have to work at McDonald's. I don't have to work at Walmart. I don't have to work at this chicken factory because I worked at a chicken factory for a good year. That was around the turning point. I worked there for like a year and I was like, that's where I wrote first class. I was on this assembly line. It's so dramatic. It's like, it's like a movie, but I was on this assembly line packing boxes every night, 10 hour shifts. And, um, like, that's when I used to carry this little notebook with me because mm-hmm. I was like, well, shoot, if I have to be here and I would have these headphones hidden in my ears, we weren't supposed to have them in and I would be playing the instrumental like on my phone. And that's how I got it out. I'm literally boxing. Somebody give me my first class ticket because I'm so tired of riding coach. Like, that's it. That was it. That's how I was feeling on that damn thing. Like, like, get me up out of here. This is yeah. not for me. But, yeah, so that was the turning point. And I lost that job. Um, just a series of things happened and I was literally sitting there with nothing. And I was glad. I'm glad that I was sitting there with nothing. Now, definitely, definitely. Because that's what was the turnaround. So, yeah. I remember uh, maybe back in 2006, I worked at what they called uh, Augusta Coating and Manufacturing. But in Thompson, they called it Blue Dot. Mm-hmm. Reason being is because on the sign in the front, it's just Blue Dot. <laughs> and uh, I remember working there for almost, I think it was like six or seven years. Ten-hour shifts. Uh, you come in, you stood where you were supposed to. They gave you a tool. You had to saw down. Because we were making parts for like golf carts and stuff. And I remember telling the forkli- uh, forklift driver who honest like literally every time he got paid all he did was spend it on booze and that's all he did and he had the nerve to tell I said I'm gonna leave here and I'm gonna go to college and he said you ain't, you ain't going to college and I laughed because who are you I was like who are you to tell me that you right know? and um I remember being in that that systematic repetitive environment where every I was becoming complacent and, but it gets to the point where you have to go somewhere mentally and say to yourself, I don't belong here. Not that you're saying that you're better than somebody else, but it's like at some point you put a fish in a bowl and that fish outgrows it. And you're like, I don't belong here. I need to be somewhere else. And I recall feeling that same way. And, um, and it's funny you said that because it's during those moments where that creativity is completely stirring. You end up creating something like you said, like first class. And it's funny, I love listening to people's stories on how they came up like with their initial pieces because yeah. it's doing the grind and it's doing the grit and the dirt where those elements come together and it creates something beautiful for other people to see. And then through that, you learn about where people have been, where they're at and where they're going. Right. So, uh, but I never, so how many, how many, how many jobs have you had? What types of jobs have you had since Man, you were <laughs> Listen, I really literally have done everything from fast food to um, working in factories and warehouses to running uh, political races with people, like helping in the, with campaigns. Oh, awesome. Like I was working on this campaign for one of the senators in South Carolina a couple of years <laughs> ago. I've been a DJ. I've been a photographer. I have been now a makeup artist as well. And nice. all while I was doing all these different things, I was always constantly writing and singing all in like weaved in it like yeah. that was the only thing that was constant everything else was just passing by like but yeah man multiple multiple jobs I couldn't keep a job I wasn't good for him man like 
my my spirit is too free <laughs> like um it, it was kind of difficult for me i thought I, w- I am a good worker but i just my spirit is too big to be contained by clocking in so i'll try to do what i can for like enough of a time period to keep everything flowing and then i would have to like bounce out but the um the chicken factory was the one i had worked at the longest which was interesting because it was the one i hated the most like i was there for like a year um and before then i hadn't held a job past like four months before it was time to change it out with something new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, but it's it's all a mentality, man. Like being around those people like like the dude who told you, oh man, you're not gonna do that. Like those were the things that scared me. Like or not really scare me, but like concern me. Like I would just pay attention to my surroundings and I'm like, you know, I don't wanna live my life like this. <laughs> like that was my thing. I'm like no disrespect because for some people, you know, living like a more toned down life is that's the that's for them, they love it. That's yeah. the life they would choose, even if they had other options. But for me, it just it wasn't grand enough. Like I'm too grandiose of a person, so it's just like coming to the factory every night is not my my thing, man. So, nah. <laughs> what uh, what got you into makeup artistry? Um, so just as a part of my journey, pretty much anything that I learned how to do that I was good at, I, it, it just always manifested down the road for me to be able to make income doing it. But um, I started learning how to do light makeup on myself because, you know, I was traveling, I was singing, I was performing. People were always wanting to take pictures with me, and I was like, I just want to make sure I look fresh. Every time I'm in a photo, I'm, I was seeing more and more photos being uploaded of me on social media and stuff and I'm like why would you choose that picture I look horrible so I was like you know I'm gonna fix y'all a little red wagon I'm just gonna make sure I'm A1 every time y'all see me so so I learned how to do a little bit of makeup on myself and um at the time when I was researching you know well what makeup do I want to wear like I was like well I want to go with whatever the best is and I had always heard people talking about MAC cosmetics yeah. so that was the first place I went to I'm like if I'm aware I'm going to go wherever the best is so I went to MAC and I started purchasing my products from there and one of the um, um, store managers the assistant store manager she knew who I was as a singer through another um, singer friend of mine so one day I was up there talking junk to her because like it took them a while to get to me and I, I got a little fiery little personality so I'm talking to them I'm like what's going on y'all moving slow you know <laughs> so um she was like well you know if you want us to move faster you can come back here and, and and help us you can work whatever so I was like that's fine you know if I work with y'all it'll run better I bet that you know just talking junk that's yeah. uh, you know that's my personality so she was like well I'm for real you know turn in a resume I was like I will <laughs> so I turned in my resume and I heard nothing else from it she, yeah. we like a good year, year and a half passed, wow. and at this point, I was working at this gas station, right? That I hated, another job I hated. Um, and I get a random message on Facebook one day from one of the employees at Mac, and she says, "Hey, I remember you. You know, we're about to do some hiring, and like I've seen you on social media, and I know a lot of people like know who you are, yeah. and I know that you had expressed interest." before about maybe possibly getting a job here, you know, would you be interested? And at that point, I was like, anything other than this gas station, (laughs) I'll take it. Fine, let's go. It can't be no worse. So I went in and interviewed, and my first time ever really doing a full makeup application on another individual was during my interview. At, for the makeup company like they were like you have to bring in a model you have to do a live demonstration and I was like okay so once again here's another situation that I really didn't know how I was gonna like pull it together or pull yeah. through it but I still was just like I'll figure it out when that day comes it was the yeah. same thing I did like when I did that first performance and really that started to become a trend in my life that's how I started living my whole life there was this musician um, this guy named Wayne Preston part of um, Preston and Weston they're another um legendary musicians from around here who, who gig all the time. Yeah. But Wayne said, get the gig first, then figure out how you're going to find a band and sound and what <laughs> songs you're going to sing. He was like, get the gig first because it'll put you in a, a position where you have to figure it out yeah. when it comes time. So I pretty much lived my whole life like that. So I did that first makeup application. They liked me. They liked what I did. They liked my image, my personality. So I got the job and Immediately, I took off as a makeup artist because at that point, I had already built up enough of a reputation 
with people of being um, professional or quality at whatever I was putting my hand yeah. in that people just automatically trusted me. Like, it happened fast. Like, literally, people were booking me within the first couple of weeks. And I was sitting there like, there are people who have been doing this for years. Why are y'all choosing me? But, like... It really that was another turnaround for me. Like it, it brought me a whole new demographic of people and supporters, and definitely it's been financially um, good for me. Mm-hmm. So that's how I became a makeup artist, and I actually really enjoy it. Um, music is always going to be my my number one heart because I can do that all day, any day, no matter what's going on. But makeup is a really close second. I do like it. Thank you all for listening, listening in so far. Uh, right now, if you're um, tuning in or if you you need to take a break, just remind you that you're listening to uh, episode 22 of the Glory in Our Stories featuring Michael Musicated Minor Sullivan, uh, a local artist uh, that's really doing his thing. Uh, if you get an opportunity, look him up on SoundCloud, look him up on iTunes, look him up on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, the guy is everywhere. And it's just it's amazing. Uh, sitting across from him, listening to his journey. So uh, continue to enjoy, and I hope that's something you can acquire from his experience. He has a lot of wisdom when it comes to the process of being an artist full-time. So uh, continue to sit back and enjoy. I'm pretty certain you have people come up to you asking for tips. Like, as far as, like, makeup? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can't even go anywhere. Like, people be knowing even, like... If they don't know me, like they can see pretty much because uh, how I carry myself, they walk up on me and ask me certain things. And I just think that speaks to, I, I want to maintain myself at all times so that I do attract that energy that people are like, you're somebody, you do something. Yeah, so <laughs> that's how I try to make sure I carry myself. So the things that you're into now, going back to like when you were younger, can you pinpoint those moments that were like um, foreshadowing? Of what's happening to you now? Oh yeah, into. the makeup no, because when I was I was really I won't say I was way different, but I kind of was way different when I was even a teenager. When I run into like people um, from high school and stuff that remember me, I had short hair. Mm-hmm. I was way more toned down. Like I was t-shirt jeans, kind of like pulled off to the side, awkward. Um, but some of the things that did stand out, I was always doing music. Definitely um, growing up. Most singers have the story of getting their start like in church, mm-hmm. but really I got my start at these um, VFW posts. My grandparents were DJs and karaoke hosts, oh, nice. and they used to DJ and, and host karaoke at like um, VFW posts, which I don't know if you know what those are, but mm-hmm. the they're veterans of foreign wars um, mm-hmm. where guys who were in the military uh, served in the military when they're a little older that's where they go hang out these bars so I would be in these bars while I was younger and they would be singing like honky tonk karaoke (laughs) Patsy Cline and Elvis and like so and I would come in and I would be singing Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and whatever was like pop at the moment Destiny's Child whatever um But they always would gas me up. So I was doing that when I was, like, younger and participating in talent shows. And when I got in high school, I was really heavy in chorus. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I was even performing original music at assemblies in high school. Like, people still walk up to me to this day and they'll sing, like, certain lines. And I'm like, why do you remember <laughs> that? Why do you remember that? So I was always, always creating or even take it farther back, like, elementary school when we would have to write poetry or something in English class, like, I would be the one who would stand in front of the class and sing my poem. And they would be like, you know, there's Mike, you know, doing his Mike thing. So, and I was always writing for people back when I was in school, too. Like, I literally did people's English papers and, like, and I did it for for fun. I ain't charged nobody. I was like, yeah, I'll write it for you because I enjoyed it. So, I was always writing, always singing. That was always there, you know, so. So, what's your uh, favorite part of the musical or the music process of putting things together is it the writing it is the arrangement is it the um instrumentation what is it for you the finished product (laughs) the finished product like like presenting it i love presentation i'm a very visual person from everything to makeup to fashion to the visual for the music to just everything i I like to package it and like jump out of the birthday cake on folks like boom look what i created like so the the finished product um 
it depends because like as a writer it comes to me in different ways you know sometimes I'm writing by myself just random notebooks writing stuff um, but most of my recent work has come from being in studio sessions and being around other singers or rappers or writers and we're all in there together just like creating random stuff like jam session type stuff and then we birth like the this stuff that we had no intention of birthing it just came out because all the energy was in the room so but the, the finished product man the presentation I love presenting something to people and saying you know I had a hand in every aspect of that every aspect I shaped it so if you enjoy it you're, I feel like you just you enjoy my spirit because all of it is me. Like so, that's my favorite part of the creating process. So, have you ever had a finished product where, in your mind, that's what that's exactly what you saw prior? No. It's always something. <laughs> no, <different. laughs> no, it's always like a you know that saying when they like shoot for the um, the moon and land on the stars or yeah. whatever they say. Like it's you you have the vision and you you make it as grand as possible. And then you start filling in the blanks. And then you, you have to also give every creation its space to manifest the way it ultimately needs to be. And sometimes how it needs to be in the finish mm-hmm. is outside of what your vision for it was. But that's what was going to make it most impactful. Yeah. Or that's what was going to uh, be the spark for something outside of you. Maybe inspiration to somebody else that you, you might not have known. You didn't, your brain or your, your thoughts weren't expanded enough to know. Yeah. So um, that's my favorite thing about creating too now. Like I've learned to be at peace about it's not always going to be my vision and that's okay. Just as yeah. long as I can be a, a catalyst, as long as I can be the vessel that birthed it and brought it through, <laughs> like I'm fine because it's bigger than me. So yeah. no, it, it most typically does not turn out the way, but it usually turns out better. Like it usually turns out better than what you thought you wanted. You have this grand idea of what the finished product looks like, and then it doesn't work out that way. But then you take a step out once again, and you look at it, and you're like, "Oh man, I would have never even thought it was gonna go this way," or you know, yeah. whatever. So, and some things that you think are gonna be a big deal do not end up being a big deal, <laughs> and some things that you think are just a passing thought that. You're like, oh, nobody, who cares about this? It's just something quick and little that I'm doing. Sometimes those are the biggest moments. Those are yeah. the biggest things that impact the world. And you're like, why did that impact people? <laughs> I, I was working on this for three years and you didn't care. And I'm like, I literally spent 15 seconds on that. <laughs> and y'all love it. But it's fine. It's cool. It's all all a part of the process. <laughs> yeah. Have you, uh, do you find, have you trashed or like you dispose of, do you dispose of things um, that you don't use or do you keep them and like writing pieces or certain lines or um, certain types of uh, instruments that you want to use? Like whatever you, when, when you're in the creative process, do you find yourself collecting uh, pieces, putting those other pieces that you don't use to the side and come back to them later or you just completely get rid of them? I think it depends. For the most part, I put everything to the side because you just never know when something that might not have been the time for it right then, but yeah. you can come back to it like five years later and if you have your stuff, I guess, kind of organized in your way, you'll know to say, oh man, I had this piece that now I got the, the rest of the, the pieces to it. Now yeah. I can pull it out and really dust it off and make it everything. Um, but for the most part, I push stuff to the side. I have boxes on boxes of notebooks leading all the way up back to when I was in elementary school of stuff that I've written. Because wow. I like to revisit it like ever so often just to kind of see where I was in other time periods of my life because there's always so much going on in my brain. I forget stuff. Like whole experiences, I'm like, dang, that was my life. So I have to go back and like read stuff and see and, and get the visual back in my head of what was going on in those time periods. So I do keep stuff. Um, I, I probably am a hoarder of like creative like stuff artsy stuff my writings and sounds I have countless files on my laptop of old recordings and bits and pieces of this and that so like I'm always going back and just listening just to see what growth um, has been there or what ways I might have my growth might have kind of backtracked a little bit because I've gone to some writings and be like I, I wrote this where did this come from man how could I have even written this at 14, 15, I hadn't gone through anything yet. How did this come out? And it's so articulately or elaborately expressed. How did I know that? Where did it come from? So, yeah, I keep stuff, man, because it's always interesting just to go back and just revisit it. (laughs) Now, would you, um, 
when it comes to music that you like what do you place yourself in a specific genre when it comes I'm to music? actually trying to figure it out from a marketing perspective <laughs> like I really didn't want to have to think about stuff like that but since I run all my business and I really handle everything and I'm trying to trying to learn how to best navigate and make this thing this vehicle as big as I can make it um I don't I don't know what I would be classified as maybe I jokingly say trap jazz because I'm because <laughs> I'm like literally like chill one moment and then I'm like really hype the next. It's like there's no in between. It's like they both kind of come together and I create a show. But um, I don't have a genre. I really just create. I, I'm looking for somebody to come in, maybe some type of marketing <laughs> director to come in and say, okay, let me look at everything we have in front of us. We see the pictures, we see the images, we see we hear the the music, we see the cohesiveness between all of it. Yeah. This is how we package it. Um, I, I really just want to be an artist and just create, um, but I know it's easier for other people outside myself to be able to wrap their head around things so that they can know what to classify it as. But no, I wouldn't. Even what what you listen to, what would you classify it as? That we're gonna turn the question on you. So you listen to two of my singles. I, I hear everything. I yeah. hear uh, I hear R and B. I hear pop. Um, I, I even hear hip hop because it's. There's a um, specific term for it. It's um, it's not rapping, but it's somewhere in between there. Mm -hmm. Because you were speaking, and then you started singing, then you were singing, come down again. Jill Scott does that a lot, yeah. and I love her for that. Because she would be speaking to you, and all of a sudden, she just goes into the song. Right. And so, overall, if I had to put it in a particular genre, I want to say pop. I was gonna say right the second I think everything is pop because I had to like re, like think my whole process. When I first started singing, I was actually doing more neo soul jazz. Like yeah. I literally was along the lines of you know live instrumentation, background singers, me on keys. Mm -hmm. I was playing like that was another way I kind of regressed in a sense. When I first started booking gigs and performing, I was playing keys and I was singing. Mm -hmm. And I had my two background singers, and it was like really like acoustic, because yeah. um, I was listening to stuff like you know like Gretchen Parletto. Um, I love what Monet does, Monet Robinson. Yeah. When I go check her out, like that's really that's where I started, like kind of in that jazzy neo soul range. Mm -hmm. And then as I joined more bands and cultivated my sound more, I was like, well, you know what? I'm still in my twenties, and I have this larger than life personality. That's kind of way more grandiose than a jazz or neo-soul singer. <laughs> so I was like, how about let me get this energy out first. Let me be the, the pop, hip-hop, you know, like urban, you know, top 40 thing right this second, but still have like my little conscious twist on it. And then as I grow older and evolve with my music sound and image, then I can kind of get back to the whole like soul, chill, laid-back thing. Because that's a, that's a very strong part of my personality too, both of them really. But I was like, it would make more sense for me to get the more pop stuff out while I'm younger. Yeah. You know, that's just once again marketing just trying to pay attention <laughs> to what would make sense you know so yeah I would say probably more pop pop hip hop that you cause I was thinking of uh, Reese like just now Demi Lovato mm -hmm. um, her album uh, Tell Me Tell Me You Love Me like when I first listened to it I didn't know I didn't know she was a pop singer mm -hmm. and people would say oh yeah she's pop music like I didn't know because her sound is just her range is what throws me off because as a specific singer, you can only stay like right there in the middle. But with you, you like the song that you had on um, Coffee and Ink with Sleepy Eyes. Did mm -hmm. not know that was you. Come until on, man, I read you better it. be. You better be. See now, look, now you now you done did a little digging. <laughs> I didn't know that was you until I. I was like, really? Because yeah. the way that you brought the song in. And then you got and you, then you you got down really low, and then he comes in. So there was just that's a lot of versatile in your style. Yeah, there's another single right now that I'm kind of on. Um, this artist out of Aiken, who I don't know if you've met him, but Andreas Drizzy Smith. He's a mm -hmm. visual artist. You should interview him too. That's one of the, you should interview him. He's a really dope person. He um he owns an art gallery over in Aiken, and he's pulling together a an album called Heavy Lies the Head. Mm -hmm. I'm featured on there. We have this jam session track that has like a lot of us prolific performers in the area all of us on this one track you have um most elevated deepness uh nate innate uh passionate myself angel brown uh i feel like i'm gonna forget somebody you know, it's really gonna bother me uh cliff the backpack poet uh all of these are just dope performers here in the area who are really really 
killing what they do. But basically, I start the song off singing, but then I come back in maybe about five minutes in because it's a pretty lengthy track. Yeah. Um, rapping, just spitting a verse straight up. Because I actually like rapping as much as I do singing, honestly. And if I had to choose one or the other, I, I, w- I wouldn't be able to. I actually like both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I try to be versatile, man. I was, I've been trying to figure out over the years like how it would make sense, like how how we can make it make sense. But I was like, no, I'm just I'm just gonna attempt to be as dope as I can be at everything that I do that people just accept whatever it is I offer it offer up. So if on one album Mike is a rapper, they're gonna be like, Oh, this is a dope rap album and if the next album I wanna be a jazz singer, I want them to take all of it serious. I wanna say this dude literally came in and embodied his name. He is the musicated minor. He's musicated because he literally can touch any aspect of music and it sound good, not just be cheesy. So yeah, yeah I, I like it that way. The best the best albums that I've heard are from artists that just change it up for no daggone reason. And I love it. It's still them, but it just shows there's so many different layers to who they are. And I can see that happening. And I think that's what we need. We need a lot more versatility when it comes to music because most of the time, once with everything we hear, it's just a um, just a different version of the previous song. But uh, what I've heard you do is quite different, and and that's another thing a lot of people are sleeping on when it comes to local artists. It's the concept of good music, not just music, but good music, like good quality music, and that's what I heard. In your singles, that's what I heard on Sleepy Eyes album. Um, even when you're just performing live, like you said, you pay attention to your presentation. All, all, all it encompasses in who you are, but it creates something different. And I think that's something that we need. If, if, as far as other artists, like who are you into as far as listening like now? Um, I listen to a lot of underground or emerging artists. Um, uh, let me think. So I'm rocking around a lot of artists all the time. So I'm always listening to their stuff. My One of my best friends is a producer around the area. And he's putting out music. His name is X-Rated. You have Angel Brown, who I sing with, um, mm-hmm. with ATL Dream Vision. A.E. The Cool. I don't know if you've met her. Have you met her yet? No. That's somebody else you should interview. <laughs> She's dope, too. Monet Robinson. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sleepy Eyes. Most Elevated Deepness. Passionate. Uh, some ones that are kind of outside of the area that I follow on social media, Duran Bernard, Adam Ness. Um, just there's so many artists emerging yeah. who are amazing. And I actually pay more attention to them, one, because it puts a realistic view of the steps of how to like expand yourself and to mm-hmm. fully, fully walk into this life that we're all building into walking into. But it's also just more inspiring to me because it's not as limited. I feel like sometimes the mainstream thing is a little bit more limited because you've kind of in that place where you found that box that you're going to sit in and that how we're going to sell it to the masses so i mean that's that's a crucial part to make it to too i mean i don't mind making it to that point but i i love watching before that point when an artist is just creating like when they're really just creating and building an audience organically based off of just what their personality is. So those are the people I'm most listening to at all times, a lot of emerging artists. Yeah. So who would you, uh, who your favorite artists coming up when in, when you were younger? Oh, well, so then because I was living in Aiken mm-hmm. and I wasn't exposed to like a lot of emerging artists yet, yeah. all you could be exposed to were mainstream things. And so in the order, it first started off with um, Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson. Yeah. When I was way younger, I was emulating them. Um, like I used to watch the Michael Jackson concerts on TV. People are literally like passing out, being carried out on stretchers, and that was when I was like, I want that power. Like I want, I want people to pass out and have to carry them out on stretchers because I just stood on stage and I just stood still and stared at them for three seconds. That was some, power, that was some powerful stuff. So yeah. that that was the start of it, and then. Um, Artists like TLC who came in with the coolness, like they had the swag, uh, yeah. you know, come in and the, I like the aesthetic, like the the rebellious attitude. People like Left Eye and all of them, it, it tapped into the the rebellious, the rebelliousness mm-hmm. and the round the wayness that I had inside of me. Um, then Destiny's Child, and then it started to evolve from there. It was a lot of pop in the beginning, like pop stars, people who were big. But um, when I got in high school, I met Fumalayo Ngozi. 
Um, I don't know if you know who she is, but she's another singer here in the area who is amazing. She does gospel and um, like adult contemporary. Yeah. But she's amazing. She was my chorus teacher when I was in high school, wow. and she was the first singer that I heard like in real life that I had access to who inspired me. Who I was like, oh my god, she's so dope, and yeah. it just it made me want to expand as a vocalist. Then from her went to Karen Gordon who was a very prolific person in shaping who I am and what musical taste I have. And, it, of course, you know Karen, right? Mm. Karen Gordon, Garden City Jazz? No. Cool, you're going to interview her, too. <laughs> I'm giving you a whole list here. You get to play this back and write your whole list out for the year. <laughs> so Karen Gordon, who is one of my favorite, favorite people in the world, um, she's all things jazz here in the area. Most of the, the jazz events, anything jazz and the CSRA, she has her hand in it. Yeah. And so I was tagging along with her. I was like 16 years old. She had two sons that we were all in the same uh, age range. But I was the like son that was interested in everything she was doing. Anywhere she went, I wanted to be there. You know, her other sons was like, uh, I'm over this, you know, I just want to stay home and play video games or whatever, but I was always the one like, ooh, where are we going? What musician? What jazz artist? And so I started going to the Candlelight Jazz Series and being exposed to all these musicians and jazz music, and it just started expanding my sound and helping me shape, like, what I like to listen to. So these were the things that, that led up to me having, like, this mixture of everything I have inside of me, the musicianship, the writing, the presence, the being secure and knowing who I am, because the one thing I took from almost every artist wasn't how to mimic them or be like them, but what their essence was, to be like, you're fully aware and tuned in with what your essence is, whatever that is, and even though mine is different from all y'all's, that's why I'm going to shine, because it's different from all of your essences, but I'm tapped into mine, so I learned how what mine was and so now when I'm talking to other artists I tell them you really don't need anybody to ever come in and like shape you because the shape is already there you just have to kind of discover it take everything about yourself right now at this moment and just exaggerate it like living it fully because we a lot of times I feel like we diminish ourselves oh I don't want to be too much oh I don't want to be whatever like you diminish yourself all of us do it so if you're a writer, write always. Let it be known that you're a writer. Write in every situation that you can write. Walk down the street reciting your writings. Like, that's that's how I live. Like, everything is grand. Like, if I'm going to dance, I'm not going to do, like, a little shimmy. You know, I might do a little shimmy like that. But but nine out of ten, I'm going to be like, oh, we're going to get it all the way in. So you just have to, like, really go full throttle at everything that you are. And that's what I took from every artist, Michael Jackson, Prince, uh, Whitney Houston, they were these grand, larger-than-life human beings, but they were they were being themselves. They just mm -hmm. were being an exaggerated version of themselves. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, before, I, before I let you go, because we run out of time, unfortunately, um, man, I'm so glad. Like, because I had this interview because... Now I get to understand, because I've seen you perform, you see the music, now I'm seeing the person behind the music, and everything's making sense. There was a video that you were, I think it was at uh, Arts and Heart, and a young girl was singing, and you was cheering her on. Mm -hmm. And the excitement that you exhibit in what you do, it's not a show, it's who you are. And I don't think people understand, as a um, observer, as a listener, that engages us that wants us to learn more and listen more is to see that excitement why you're doing what you're doing and the funny thing is that comes natural for you and I think that's an element that we should all fully consider when we're honing our craft is fully enjoying it and I see that's what you what you do um, if there was any advice that you can give to upcoming art and I think we touched base on this before I know a lot of local artists I have that what if question what if this doesn't work or what if it does and I end up losing who I am I lose create uh, creative liberty or I lose my friends or there's so many possibilities but what would be your advice to them as far as taking that chance one be honest with yourself we all know innately who we are and what we want to do everybody knows it everything else around it is just the mess that life kind of tacks on or we allow or the blockage that we have in place be honest with yourself about who you are what you want to do, how big you want it to be, and you can't let anything stop you or make you feel like it, can, it can't be that, that vision or that dream. 
that that's my number one advice and then just go full throttle for it like believe in it harder than you believe in anything in life even when things look bad things are frustrating or you don't even know what the path is to get there because you're going to encounter that your whole entire life there are going to be multiple moments where you're like i know i want this thing and i also know that i don't know how the heck i'm gonna make it happen but you don't have to worry about it that's the biggest thing just say i want it and then be 100% yourself because things are going to start lining up around you for you to have it. All you have to do is just play your part and play it all the way. You can't be reluctant. Like, if you want to be a superstar, walk in and live like you're that superstar. Because every superstar who is a superstar is that superstar because they knew that they were a superstar before anybody else did. Yeah. And they walked in the room from start to finish like... I'm a superstar already. I don't care if, if it don't look like it. I don't care if the money, the presentation, whatever facet that you can focus on, walk in like you're already that thing that you desire to be. And I promise you, life will align around it. And that is my number one thing that I tell any person pursuing anything. That's it. <laughs> we all heard it from uh, Michael, Musicated Minor Sullivan. Um, again, thank you, man, for... Uh, taking another chance at this uh when i asked you initially i was like man you probably ain't gonna want to come back through here but um i realized that a lot of you all all of y'all have busy schedules and to take an hour out of your time to tell your story i really appreciate it nah man we appreciate people extending the offer i'm honored by it and humbled by it man it, it just makes you know that everything you're doing is not in vain exactly. and i see obviously you're building something there's something that you're building that you want to have as yours so I'm just honored that you see me fit to help you get to where you're trying to go. You know what I'm saying? Whatever your vision is. So it was definitely no sweat. We are busy, but you're never too busy in the world to make things that seem important to you happen. So, yeah, yeah man. I appreciate it. Definitely. Well, so for those who listen and keep um, listening out for um, new music and, and, and new opportunities that he's going to be presenting, I'm sure that he's... He's gonna keep doing, keep being on his grind, and um, uh, like I'll, like always, I highly appreciate you just being who you are, your authenticity, your energy, and, and taking your craft seriously, and, and appreciating your value, um, putting self first, not in a selfish way, but if nobody's gonna do it, then who will? So, uh, again, this is episode uh, twenty-one. Of the glory in our stories. This is Calvin Pennywell Jr. again with uh, Michael Musicated Minor uh, Sullivan. You all have a good day. Mm-hmm.